so today we're going to be looking at one of the three stories, and we're going to be looking today when the, when the angels came to visit a teenage virgin girl named Mary. Next week, we're going to be looking at when uh, an angel visits a man named Joseph. And then the third and final week, we're going to be looking at when angels came to look at shepherds. And so we're going to be looking at a variety of different players and characters. But today, I want to talk to you about this idea of fear when God has something planned for you specifically. I want to look at today about the fear of what God has planned for you, planned for me, because I believe that there are a lot of people that sometimes will treat God like they treat that annoying person who calls them on the phone, who still uses their phones to call people as opposed to text them. And I believe that sometimes we can treat God the way that we would treat an annoying person who calls and, or, or tries to get a hold of us. I don't know if anybody, you have anybody like this in your life, but sometimes there are those people that whenever they call you, you want it to go straight to voicemail. You don't know how long to wait in between rings to hit decline or go to voicemail, but you just, there are those names that pop up on your phone, and there's people in your life, just like there are in mine, that we automatically will send to voicemail. Sometimes I think even unknowingly, many of us treat God this way. In other words, we want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff. Like we think, I want, I want the promise of heaven I want God's blessings, but I don't want to be so surrendered to God that he has complete and total access to every area in my life. Because if I'm completely surrendered, if I completely surrender everything to him, I mean, he might make me go to Africa. He might make me give up something that I enjoy. Worse, he may call me into ministry. If I surrender everything to God, what if he asked me to marry somebody ugly? That was a joke. Relax, people. I don't know if that was too far, whether I'm just talking to real people today, but I don't know. But, but sometimes there's a real sense of fear. What if I give everything to God and then life doesn't go the way that I want it to go? And fear can overwhelm and overtake us. For example, there are a lot of people who will say, well, fear is the absence of faith. Anybody ever heard that before? That fear is the absence of faith. Fear, and, and I would actually argue that fear is actually faith. See, it's just faith in the wrong things. See, you could say fear is placing your faith in the what-ifs. You know, what if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if someone that I love gets cancer, gets into an accident? What if I never actually get married? What if I marry a jerk? What if I marry a jerk and they have kids and then they turn into little jerks because of the big jerk? And, and, then, and then what if I'm eternally reminded because of the little jerks that I married a big jerk? And, and what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? So I'm going to put something up on the screen, and if you want to write it down, feel free to. But I think that fear is placing our faith in the worst-case scenarios. I think fear is when we place our faith in the worst-case scenarios. The good news is, though, that according to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says that God has not given us— Now, I want, us, I want some participation this morning. I know we're tired. I know it's December. I know it gets dark at 3 in the afternoon, but I'm going to need some participation this morning because my voice sucks. But let's say it together. God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of—say it with me—but of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of what God might be asking us to do. And we're going to take a look at this when an angel appears to a teenage girl named Mary. Why is it so often that we're afraid of God's plans for our life? There could be a lot of answers to those questions, but I want to give you two based on the story that we're going to look at today. And if you got your note sheet this morning, or if you're taking notes, I want to give you point number one, is that is this. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Why are we afraid of God's plans for our lives? Well, oftentimes his interruptions are inconvenient. When God interrupts us, his interruptions are often inconvenient. In fact, we're going, to be, we're going to see this in the story of Mary in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And let's start, and we're going to read verses 26 through 29, and then we'll move on from there. But this is where the story starts in verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy— I knew I wouldn't get very far. Let's stop there for a second. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy— Who is Elizabeth? And why is she mentioned? And why is she pregnant? And why is she involved in the story of our Savior's birth? Well, Elizabeth— if you don't know, is one of Mary's relatives. And Elizabeth is old. Old. Like, ew, you're pregnant old. Like, that's kind of old Elizabeth is. And Elizabeth is pregnant, but she's far too old for any sort of medical explanation of why she'd be pregnant, why, how her body is going to be able to withstand giving childbirth. She's Mary's relative, and an angel appeared to her, to Elizabeth, and now Elizabeth is pregnant with a baby boy who will become the man that we read about called John the Baptist. And so Elizabeth is Mary's relative. She is miraculously pregnant because, remember, she's old. And she is interacting. We're, so we're kind of getting a backstory. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, moving on in verse 26, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Let's talk about this for a second. An angel appears. I mean, I, I sometimes don't think I grasp the concept of this moment. You know what I mean? Like, we have the, if you grew up in church, you've got the flannel graph boards, and all of a sudden there's the angel that poof, sticks to the board, and he's kind of just a plain Jane dude. He's just kind of in a robe, and, and there's, a, there's, some, there's some rays of light shining from his head. I don't know why always the head, but they're shining from his head, and he's just kind of this dude. Like, if he showed up to your house, you would probably get the impression that he's trying to get you to sign a petition to save bees or something. Or that he's going to try and convince you that eating organic is the best way to eat or that you need to whatever. But he just, it just always appear to be like those types of people. Or we think of fat babies. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of pictures and angels are fat babies. Now, why would an angel appear to Mary selling ginseng or a fat baby and say fear not? Because honestly, I'm not afraid of either one of those. Maybe the baby, because we have a very small house, and that baby's speaking in full sentences, and that would be terrifying in itself. I would maybe be afraid of the baby. But why? There's no fear involved in that, right? Like, because I think so often we get the, the wrong conception or the wrong picture in our head of what angels actually are. This is not a, a, a message series about angels, 
Although we could talk a long while about that, but what I want us to get in just a moment is, is a proper perspective or a proper image in our mind and heart about who angels are and what they do. And, and, and if, if, if we look at Scripture, if we look at what angels are and who they are, angels are warriors. Like angels are the cast of 300 on steroids type Warriors, Angels are warlike creatures. Angels are able, when God sends them, to strike down a nation at God's command and yet sub- submissive enough to God to go and care for and protect an innocent child. Again, I'm going back to my point that if an army of babies came to destroy my village, I would be equally as afraid. But here's the deal. We have to get our, our, our mind around that, that these angels, I mean, these are warriors. These are people who will go to battle on the, for the glory and honor and in the name of God. And so So when we see that angels appear before Mary, we're not getting kind of a a Sunday school version. We are getting a warrior type man standing before this 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 teenager who doesn't know that she's going to be pregnant, but all of a sudden this warrior appears. And there's two specific types of of angels that we see in the Bible, named specifically, uh, name by name. We got Gabriel and Michael. Uh, the archangel, and we see Gabriel in this story appear to Mary, and going on in verse 27, it says this. It says of Mary that she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. That plays a key part in the story of who Jesus is, that he is a descendant, he is in the family line of King David. And then verse 28, Gabriel, that's the angel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. In other words, this is a very polite angel. This is a very polite warrior angel. He appears, greetings. That would kind of take a little bit of the edge off, right? And then he says this, he says to Mary, the Lord is with you. Now she excited like, I've always wanted to see one of these guys. I think honestly in her mind, she's freaking out. Because she's probably heard stories, right? She's probably heard her, her people's history of when all of a sudden uh, uh, nations were destroyed. And, and I remember she had to have heard the story one time of Moses leading a, a generation and all of a sudden God moved in a powerful way and God fights on behalf of his people. So I'm sure she's heard stories. So I, I have to assume that she's freak. I would be freaking out. And in verse 29, it goes along with my assumption. It says this, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Now, if we could get a little bit of a backstory to start thinking about what's going on in her mind and her life, we don't know for sure how old she is, but chances are Mary at this point in the story is about 14 or 15, maybe 16 years old. And the reason we know this is because in her culture, in the culture of her day, once a young girl would hit puberty, shortly after that she would be promised or betrothed to be married. And so if you can get inside this young girl's mind, she's probably all amped up about the wedding that is to come. She's probably writing her new last name, trying to, to work it out just perfectly. Like if she had uh, uh, five-star folders that many of us used to take to school, she's probably working on writing her new name. She's looking on uh, whatever her version of Pinterest would be to make the perfect wedding. She's trying to find all the creative ideas to make her wedding day so special and so unforgettable. And I'm just going to say, on the, I'm so glad I did not get married in the age of Pinterest. Man, 
I've DJed enough weddings that have just been Pinterest vomit all over like an audience. And it is stressful, man. Like, I get so stressed. So I'm so grateful that I did not get married in the age of Pinterest. That's, that's has nothing to do with this. That's just me being me. Anyway, whatever. But I can imagine that she's excited. There's anticipation. She's looking forward to marrying this man whom she loves, and, and all of a sudden, I can imagine her thinking about down the road. Man, when we have kids, what's our family going to be like? What names do I like for our kids? Because, man, girls come plan for that. So she's starting to think about her future. She's starting to think about the life that she's about to walk into, and she's excited, and then all of a sudden, an angel interrupts her plans. And it's incredibly inconvenient to the way that she thought her life would move on from here. And so what can we learn from this? It's not in your notes, but there's a section on the back that you can write additional notes, but it's a very important principle, and we're going to put it up on the screen. It says this. It says, it says what we call interruptions, God often sees as invitations. See, what we consider interruptions very much of the time, I think God is using them as invitations. I mean, I know I've had those moments in my life where I, I feel this impressing of God on my spirit about something, and I'm like, God, you are interrupting a pretty good plan right now. Like, I'm on staff at a church that pays me a paycheck, and you want me to go plant a church. I'm thinking about, man, this is a really bad interruption right now because, man, I have a house and there's insurance and apparently that's important and, 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 and all these different things. And, and, all, and, and God keeps impressing upon my heart and upon Jen's heart that we're supposed to plant this church and I am stuck in the formidable mindset that this is an awful interruption. Because who leaves a job when their wife is pregnant with their second kid? Interruption. And as I look back on it now, this was God's invitation to a pretty wild adventure. But oftentimes, if we can get past the mindset of God's interrupting me, we can see that, man, God's actually inviting me to something else, and not just something else, always something better. I mean, we think about this throughout Scripture. What did God do with Moses? He interrupted a regular day with a burning bush, and he invited Moses to become the deliverer of God's people. I mean, with Jonah, God interrupted Jonah's workout. He was swimming to shore after being thrown off of a boat, and then he's swallowed by a huge fish. And God invites him back to the mission that he was supposed to be on, which was to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh so that an entire nation could turn to God. In the New Testament, we see Saul. He's off killing Christians, and God interrupts the flow of his life with a light from heaven and knocking him off of his donkey, onto his donkey. That's a really stupid joke. Sorry. Anyway, um, you'll think about it later, and hopefully you'll laugh. Um, but anyway, that was gutsy. Whoa. I've never been scared of a joke, and that one scared me. Oh, man. We see Saul interrupted by God and then invited to be the greatest church planter that the world has ever seen, the greatest pastor the world has ever known, and the writer of most of the New Testament. He's a guy who, in spite of his past, anyone would listen to him and listen about this grace that comes from the person of Jesus. God interrupts plans with an invitation to something better. 
And I believe that there are many of us who shake off God's invitations, calling them interruptions. When God really wants to do something new and different in our lives, and I don't know how this will play out for you, but, but if you'll be sensitive enough to see what we call interruptions as possible invitations, God might take you somewhere new to something different, to do something special that you could never have predicted or planned on your own. An angel of the Lord appears to this girl, Mary, who has her life planned out, who's excited about the lights that she's walking into, and he says, I've got something different for you. And what does the angel say in verse 30 in the King James, excuse me, in the King James Version, the angel says, it says, fear not. In the New Living Translation that I'm reading from, it says this, do not be afraid, Mary. The angel told her that you have found favor with God. I don't know about you. This is, this is honest. I don't know about you, but if God's got some favor to hand out, I want to get in that line. I don't know, but I just want to, I want to get in that line. I want a little bit of that action. I want a little bit of that favor in my life. And we're going to find that favor isn't exactly what she thought she'd be walking into. You see, I'm thinking if I'm going to, if I'm Mary, I'm like, dude, you're going to give me favor. I just landed a spot on a wedding reality show. My wedding's paid for. Everything's going to be fine. The honeymoon's going to be paid for as well. Maybe she's saying yes to the dress and that culture or whatever. But I'm thinking if I'm walking into favor, there's going to be some benefit. Like in the moment. Because if God's got favor for me, then he's got favor for me right now. But what she doesn't realize quite yet is that the angel on behalf of God has something very different for her. Why are we often afraid of God's plans for our life? Number one, because remember, his interruptions are often inconvenient. And number two is this, because God's purpose is often different than your plans. God's purpose is often different than your plans. His purpose for us is often so different than what we would plan for ourselves. And we see this in verse 31 through 33 when the angel reveals God's purpose to this young girl. And he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God. And here's a powerful announcement the angel's about to say to Mary. <coughs> The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel says to Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, and you're supposed to name him Jesus, and he is going to be the Savior of the world. You can only imagine this teenage girl, all the emotions that are going on in her life right now, the swinging back and forth between excitement and interruption, in between invitation and interruption, disturbing the plan, but revealing God's, God's purpose, not just for her, but for this son. I mean, there must have been a moment where she's blown away, stupefied with humility, like, I cannot believe, God, that you would call me to something like this. I can't believe you would choose to use me in this way to be the mother of the Son of God. And then, boom, all of a sudden, her emotions seems like, oh, my gosh, what are people going to say about me? What are people going to say about Joseph? What are they going to say about my family? I'm pregnant outside of wedlock, and in that culture, being pregnant outside of being married was a crime punishable by death. Think about just in this moment, honor and fear battling for center stage. I don't know how any of this is going to play out in your life. Sometimes I don't even know how it's playing out in my life right now. 
But when God interrupts you with an invitation to something else, you're going to discover that his purposes are way different than your plans. And I don't know how, how it'll happen, but you'll see it again and again and again. It may be that you are dreaming of the perfect, healthy family. And I've had this happen to friends before that they have prayed and they have believed and that they have hoped for that they will have healthy, functioning children. And all of a sudden they get news that they're going to have a child that has special needs. And it rocks their world. I've had so many conversations with so many friends, questions of, but, wh- but why us? But why us? How come not this other person? Did we do something wrong? And in these moments of the plan not being the way that they thought, they had no idea that at the moment that that child is born, the blessing and the purpose and the passion that that child brings to their lives. It's been amazing. Their purpose was different than God's plan. And I have seen time after time God use horrible, sometimes what feels like in the moment, devastating interruptions for God to do something so spectacular, for something so unique. I don't know, but maybe I've talked to people as well who are like, I thought I was going to marry this person. They were perfect, and then the relationship went south. And I thought I'll, I'll never be in a good marriage again. I mean, who would ever want to marry me because I'm, 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 I'm damaged goods, I'm whatever. I've had so many conversations. They had no idea that God was preparing another person for them that was so incredibly better suited to serve God and them as a family together than the, per, than the previous person. And they couldn't have seen it at the time, but God's purposes were so much different than their plans. Sometimes you just have to trust in the midst of pain and in the midst of sorrow and in the midst of discouraging moments, trust that God may have something better for you. You just have to get through this. God has plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, to give you hope and to give you a future. He will every now and then move in in what you might call an interruption. But from God's perspective, it's an invitation to something that's higher and different because his purposes are always different than our plans. And the angel says this to the young girl, and he responds back in verse 30—Mary responds back in verse 34, but she says, but how can this happen? She asked a very easy question, right? How is this supposed to happen? Because I'm a, I'm a virgin. And Angel, I'm not sure if you know about anatomy yet. I figure you may have an understanding, but that's not how this works usually. What Mary's saying to the angel is this is impossible. It's beyond impossible. It's absurd. It's physically impossible. I don't understand it. I don't grasp it, but I know that it couldn't happen. And then in verse 35, the angel replies with this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, I love this. This isn't a job for people, but this is a God-sized job. The angel says this, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And in verse 37, I love it. It says this, what's impossible? Nothing's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know who came to church just for that moment, but there's something here, somebody here, I believe, who is facing an obstacle, who's facing a choice. And you need to know that nothing is impossible with God, that what may be impossible with man is absolutely and completely possible with God.
that we serve a God who is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful. One spoken word, and God can intervene in any situation, in any circumstance, no matter how big, no matter how small. Our God is that good, and all things are possible with him. Mary says, I see no way. This could never happen. And the angel says, but check this out, Mary, but nothing's impossible with God. I don't know how it's going to happen for you, but I believe for all of you who are followers of Christ, there's going to come a time when something interrupts you. And you think, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. That's not comfortable. You may have your divine antenna up and ask, is this an invitation from God for purposes different from my plans? And God may ask you to believe something that seems unbelievable or attempt something that seems like you could never accomplish, but the truth is, on your own, you can't. But because with faith and because with God in your corner, nothing is impossible with him. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you a very simple question. What is God asking you right now to do or believe? What is God asking you right now to do or to believe? What is that thing that keeps poking its head into your mind's eye? What's that dream that you can't seem to shake? And I believe with all of my heart that our God is a speaking God and he's involved in every aspect of our life and he wants to direct you, shape you, lead you, and guide you. So what this morning is he asking you to do that you're trying to ignore? For some of you, the answer is immediate. You already know. The, the minute I asked the question, this thing popped in your head, and you've been resisting. Others of you, it may take a few moments. It may take even a few days of praying, God, what do you have for me next? Where are you directing me to do in this season of my life? And for some of you, it's going to come up. To, it's 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 going to come up to you. Am I supposed to start a ministry that God's put in my heart? Is that what I need to do? Am I supposed to leave this job and go to the next? Am I supposed to? I don't know. But it may take a few moments, it may take a few days, it may take a few weeks. For some of you, it's to try and restore a relationship that's gone bad. He's going to direct you that way. For some of you, it's changing majors. For some of you, it's taking a step of faith into the obscurity of nothingness and seeing if God catches you. And there's moments where you might face, you might talk to yourself. You may be the own sta your own static in your head. And you may say, but I've already tried that. I did that once before. There's no way I could do it again. I'm going to ask you to believe. I'm going to ask you this morning to believe that nothing is impossible with God. And then when you're ready to respond, never forget this. If God is asking you to take the step of faith, write this down. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. I don't know about you, but that is liberating. That is so liberating. Because how many of us know, man, this life is lived based on the outcomes? You know? Like, if I don't pull this outcome off of my job, I could get fired. If I don't do this outcome in my marriage, it may be over. If I don't do this outcome, if my kids don't come out a certain way, blah, 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 whatever. But man, I don't know about you. That may give some of you a little bit of pressure because you're control freaks, but check this out. Outcome is God's responsibility. Your responsibility is to be obedient. 
Your, obe- your job is to take the steps that God calls you to take when God calls, him, calls you to take them and not worry about the outcome. And I know that goes against everything that we know. We'll get rid of cars that don't perform right. We'll get rid of phones that don't perform right. We'll get rid of internet companies and, and television. We'll, we'll get, a, get rid of so many things but when the outcome isn't right. But the outcome is not yours. It's God's. What he needs you to do is simply be obedient when he says go. I've, I've, I've started to do this thing where I've started to talk to myself. It's not the best because you look crazy all the time. Um, the worst part is like when I'm like picking up Taylor from school and I'm talking to myself, sitting by myself, waiting for the classroom to open. And, um, or I'm at the mall or I'm driving by myself and I have my windows down and there's no music playing but my mouth is moving. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just a weird circumstance. And one of the things that I've had to begin to do is actually like audibly speak things to myself when situations come up. You know, like we talked about in the static series that um, the verse in Philippians where uh, my brain just went blank. But there's this moments where if I don't say it to myself, I won't believe it. I, have, I've, I paint houses, and uh, Dave and Teresa Spiegel, who are actually at a, a, a prison ministry right now that they, they work with, I remember catching this from him, and, and, and Dave would be in a room by himself. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and all of a sudden, I would hear him say, that's a good-looking wall. Kind of just look in the door to see if he's talking to anybody, and he's not. He's going to walk away and another 25 minutes. That's a better looking wall than the last one. Dave, who are you talking to? I'm talking to me. Why? Because if no one tells me that I did a good job, I'm gonna. Oh. So, Jen will catch me every now and then. Painting. Get done with something. That's a good-looking ceiling. I didn't. I didn't ask. I know. That's why I have to tell myself. But isn't it amazing how quick we're to believe our own voices? Regrettably, on the negative side. And I think that I think in moments when life is hardest and life is difficult, and God, this 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 church does not make financial sense right now. This makes no sense right now. But God, here's but and this is the worst. I had two weeks off to write messages, and it was awful because I have to get I had got a jump start on all this. But it was like. I was sitting by myself just thinking, okay, God, you've called us to do this. My only job right now is to be obedient. My only job right now is to be obedient. God, help me to not 
get in control of the outcome because that's yours, but God, just help me be obedient in this moment. God, I trust you with the outcome because the outcome is yours. Obedience is mine. And in those moments where it's difficult, God, the outcome is yours. Obedience is mine. Help me to be obedient-driven as opposed to outcome-driven. God, the outcome is your responsibility. Obedience is mine. And, and here's the deal. You will look crazy, but you'll be the sanest person you've ever known because we believe our own voices, because we'll begin to speak those things over our lives when moments come, when, when the plan doesn't seem to be working out, and all of a sudden life is more interruptions. But I remember in God's language, they're invitations. And, okay, God, the outcome is yours. Obedience is mine. I believe that God's going to call many of you this morning to trust him in a different way today than you've ever trusted him before. I believe that God's going to move some of you to take steps of faith into a life of faith. Not a life of practicality, not a life that exists based on numbers or outcomes or the past, but steps into a faith-filled life where the outcome can only be God's responsibility. And so the angel puts this opportunity in front of Mary. Just like I believe that there are opportunities that God is going to put in front of you. And I think we need to pick up on Mary's response. And in verse 38, she responds with this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What an amazing what a faith-filled sentence. Not that there aren't going to be moments where fear creeps in, but in this moment, Mary says, God, I'm choosing your way over mine. I'm choosing your purpose over my preference. I'm choosing your outcome over my plans. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Heavenly Father, I just, I don't like this message. Because God, it's so, I, I'm so reminded even in this moment right now how fear-filled I am. But God, I, 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 I choose to believe in this moment more than I did the moment that just passed, that, God, you are in control. And, God, I believe that you're in, you invite each and every one of us into this adventure of life that comes with following you. God, I believe you've invited every single one of us into this life. And so, God, I pray right now God, that the excuses that we're all making in our heads about why we can't do this. Because it hasn't worked in the past because we, the th it didn't turn out the way we had hoped to before. God, all the things, God, that are coming up in my head and coming up in my heart. God, that you would just subside those with the truth that with you, nothing is impossible. You created the galaxies with the, with, the, with, with the voice of your, with the words of your mouth. You separated land and sea. 
You separated sky and land. You, 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 you created uh, mankind out of the dust of the earth, and then you breathed life, the Holy Spirit, into us. You separated the Red Sea for the Israelites. You sent Jesus to, to live a life and die a death he didn't deserve just to be buried, and then by the power of your Spirit, raise him up again. God, there is nothing that's impossible with you. So God, I pray right now in this moment that you would begin to erase fear from our lives and God, that you would replace it with the possibility of your plans and the possibilities of your purposes. God, would we stop being a church that sits back in fear of what could happen and God, would we step out in faith following you because what could happen then? God, help us to break the mindset of being outcome-driven. And God, would you move us to be obedience-compelled? God, what could our city look like? What could our neighborhoods look like? What could our state and world look like if we became the people who functioned out of faith rather than fear? Knowing that with that faith, Nothing is impossible with you. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for this reminder that you're with us, that you go before us, that things may look different, but God, you are ultimately in control. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us the way that you do. You love us so well. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.